0: Welcome to Hope Community Church's Sermon of the Week. It's our prayer that this message will encourage and equip you to love like Jesus. To learn more about hope, visit us at hccalive.com. Now enjoy the message. Well, I wonder this morning if you can remember the last time that you took a stand for the truth and you found it to be costly. You see, as we're working through the life of Jesus chronologically, there is another individual that we've encountered several times in this journey. However, today is actually the last time that we'll spend time learning about John the Baptist. But Jesus' cousin, John, had this very experience. You see, when he was in his earthly ministry, John the Baptist was serving in Israel, and the King Herod, he decided that he was going to marry his brother Philip's wife. And as a result, John the Baptist, who was telling the truth, he was, he was the forerunner to Jesus, he was talking about how Herod had done something wrong. He said, you shouldn't marry your brother's wife, that's wrong. And he was also saying some other things. And as a result, King Herod and his new wife Herodias decided that they were going to throw him in prison. So John now is in prison. He's experiencing a crisis in his faith because after all, he's teaching about who God is. He's the, the, the forerunner preparing the way. And in the process, he now finds himself in prison. It's amazing how isolation and feelings of being destitute can really bring us to a point of crisis where we have questions about God. We have questions about our faith and really what should we do in that process. As we think about who Jesus is, we we also think about the different circumstances in our lives where we have questions at times. Where we think, God, if you love me, why don't you answer? Or God, if you love me, why is it that you're being silent? What should we do? Really, what should we do when we have questions about our faith? Well, I would say we should bring those questions to God. And that's what we're going to do this morning. As we continue in our series, we're going to look at story 3.37 where Jesus is with John the Baptizer. If you're following along in the book or we'll be in Luke chapter 7 and the verses will be on the screen. But when we have questions, the first thing that we see is that God responds. God responds when we have questions, let's look at the text. It says, John's followers told him about all these things. Quick, quick pause. So John is in prison. So his followers are seeing and hearing about all that Jesus is doing. They go to John in prison. They let John know all that Jesus is doing. So then John called for two of his followers. He sent them to the Lord to ask. Are you the one we heard was coming, or should we wait for someone else? That's a reasonable question. So the men came to Jesus. They said to him, John the baptizer sent us to you with this question. Are you the one who is coming, or should we wait for someone else? Right then, Jesus healed many people of their sicknesses and diseases. He healed those who had evil spirits, and many who were blind were able to see again. Then he said to John's followers, Go tell John what you have seen and heard. The blind can see. The crippled can walk. People with leprosy are healed. The deaf can hear. The dead are brought back to life. And the good news is being told to the poor. Great blessings belong to those who don't have a problem accepting me. When we have questions, God responds to those questions. But sometimes the response isn't what we're looking for. Sometimes the response is is in a way that leaves us waiting for more or longing for a more clear answer. That's the situation here for John the Baptist's disciples as they go back to tell John. You see, they had come with a very intentional question, a purposeful question. Are you the one, or should we wait for another? Well, Jesus answered their question with the fulfillment of prophecy, But he didn't answer it directly, or at least maybe not the way that they were expecting. You see, they intended to go back to John with some clarity. But I thought, what do we do when we have questions of our faith? What what should we do with those questions? Because there are times when we have these questions, we want to ask God why, but there can be a little guilt mixed in with that. It's like we, we want to have faith, so when we begin to ask those why questions, it's like, well, is it because I don't have enough faith? not necessarily. Maybe you're asking those why questions because you're growing in your faith. And so sometimes those why questions are, are the very questions that God uses to show us his response in order to deepen or develop our faith in him. This is the situation for John. A person who was able to experience all of the freedoms of living in the wilderness. He was able to enjoy the opportunities to do what he wanted, when he wanted. He wasn't married. He didn't have to ask permission. He didn't have to get permission to, to go out and teach or to go out and fish or to go out and gather. He didn't, he didn't need that. He was enjoying the freedoms of being single. And all of a sudden, now he's confined to a prison and I thought, man, it's amazing how in those moments when we feel like we're confined or like the world is closing in around us, that we begin to ask these questions. You see, John had gone from experiencing freedom to all of a sudden being caught in isolation. That, that's a tough spot to be. And then he probably had this thought. My cousin Jesus, if he's the Messiah, which I, I believe he is, he has come to set the captives free. Like that's a part of fulfillment of prophecy. And I'm his cousin. So there's nobody who's more qualified to be set free than than me. That's gotta be what John the Baptist is beginning to question or to be able to, to be, begin wondering about. He's like, why wouldn't Jesus set me free? And I think that makes sense. Because when we're in a difficult spot or we're waiting for God to respond in a way or come through for us, we begin to ask that question, God, why, why are you delaying? Like, what is your purpose in that? That's the spot that John's in. So he says, all right, I know what I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to send a couple of disciples to go talk to Jesus. And they were careful, by the way, John's disciples. They were careful not to say, we have questions. Are you the one? They're like, hey, we, we don't have any questions. Our faith is good, Jesus But John, you know the one who we're following, John the baptizer, he's wondering, are you the one? And Jesus doesn't give them an answer of yes or no. Instead, and and this is almost a little bit more painful. Instead of giving just a simple answer of yes, hang in there, Jesus actually begins to heal people. He gives sight to those who are blind, People who had leprosy are are cleansed. The dead are brought back to life. Jesus had the power. He could have released John, but he doesn't. And there's a purpose for that. We don't know what that purpose is this side of eternity. And sometimes our greatest questions that we will ask, we will not receive an answer this side of eternity. But it doesn't mean that God isn't responding. It doesn't mean that he doesn't hear our questions. And I think about how John is in a crisis of faith. And many of us have experienced these moments. In a crisis of faith. And there's nothing more personal than our faith in Jesus. And so it feels so intimate because it is. But there's a difference between doubt and unbelief. There's, there's a difference between experiencing doubt and experiencing unbelief. You see, doubt is a matter of our mind. When, when we experience doubt, we're like, God, I know you can do this. I know you can intervene. I know you can, but why don't you? We're, when we experience unbelief, it's a matter of our will. It's, it's saying, God, you know what? I refuse to believe you at this point. And if we're, if we're honest... I think there are times we, we experience doubt and, and it turns to an unbelief because the doubt lasts long enough where we're like, okay, well, at this point, God, now, now it's actually painful to, to hold out hope that you're going to respond. So now I have to make a decision. Do I continue to hold out hope? And Proverbs tells us that hope, when it's deferred or rejected, it, it, it brings hurt, so I have to choose. Do, do I hold out hope or do I say, you know what? No longer do I believe that you are who you say you are. Or, at least in this situation, no longer can I believe it. And I think about the different times we, we wrestle through that. And when we're experiencing the unbelief, where we're saying, I'm, I'm not going to believe God, if you can allow that to work its way back to doubt, where it's a question again. It's like, God, will you come through? That, that's a good spot to be. Just work it back. Hold out hope in some capacity. So Jesus responded, but I think about how John the Baptist is like, what does that mean for me? Like, what does my future look like? He he still doesn't have an answer. And it's in those times where we're questioning whether God is going to answer that suddenly the devil begins to give us all of the answers, right? When when you leave it open, he begins to fill in all of the gaps. And all of a sudden, those voices in our head continue to get louder and louder and louder. A couple of weeks ago, and I want to tell you in advance, I'm sharing this story with permission. Normally, I don't think to ask permission, and it's always easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. We know that, right? So normally I ask for forgiveness later, but with permission, my wife said I could share this story. The other day I was sitting on the couch and I was nice and relaxed and comfortable and just working through last week's message. And, and she was in the kitchen. She was busy doing a few things. The kids were at school and, and I, I needed something. I can be a little needy. Some of you husbands can relate to that. And, uh, and I was like, hey honey, And she didn't say anything. I was like, that's weird. So I I looked over and I was like, hey, honey. And she's just like busy, 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 you know. And I thought, this is a perfect opportunity to tease her about her hearing. Maybe that she's going deaf. That's a part of, you know, us getting older. And sometimes the Spirit of God gives me self-control. This was one of those moments. Because the thoughts were already there. But the words that came out of my mouth were, hey Dawn. And she looks up. She's like, yeah. I go, you got a lot on your mind, huh? And I don't even know where these words came from. And she goes, yeah, can you tell? And I said, yeah, I can. Because I said your name three times before you heard me. Sometimes the thoughts in our head can be louder, can be louder than the whisper of God, can be louder than the truth of scripture. And that's not unique to her. As much as maybe I would have I thought she was going a little crazy this last week, I was having a conversation with myself in my head and one of my daughters looks at me and they're like, dad, who are you talking to? And I'm like, so here's the situation. Either we're both going crazy or we're normal and this happens to all of us. Where all of a sudden we start to play out conversations or we start to listen to our thoughts. There's a reason that the Bible tells us to take our thoughts captive. See, because it's those moments of vulnerability where we're experiencing doubt, that the devil wants to turn that to unbelief. He wants to feed our mind with lies. But God's like, take those thoughts captive. What does Scripture say? We have to make a decision. See, John, he had to make that decision too. So not only does God respond, but there's an invitation for us To commit. There's an invitation for us to commit to what the truth of Scripture says, and that's the second thing we're going to see, is that we need to commit. We must commit. So then when John's followers left, Jesus began talking to the people about John. That's not very helpful, by the way, for John, right? Now he leaves, and then Jesus, or now the disciples leave, and now Jesus begins to talk about John. And he asks the crowd this question, What did you people go out into the desert to see? Someone who is weak, like a stem of grass blowing in the wind? Really? What did you expect to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Of course not. People who wear fancy clothes and live in luxury are in the king's palaces. So what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, John is a prophet. But I tell you, he is more than that. This scripture was written about him in Malachi 3.1. Listen, I will send my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way for you. Jesus continued, I tell you, no one ever born is greater than John. But even the least important person in God's kingdom is greater than John. When the people heard this, they all agreed that God's teaching was good. Even the tax collectors agreed. These were the people who were baptized by John, But the Pharisees and experts in the law refused to accept God's plan for themselves. They did not let John baptize them. So the moment that John's disciples leave, Jesus begins to speak positively of John's ministry. And I think sometimes when we most need to hear a word from God, we don't. He allows us to grow in our faith by not giving us a response that we need. But in the process, there's a continual invitation to be committed to who he is, the person of Jesus. You see, if John was such a great prophet, and in fact, he was more than a great prophet. He was the forerunner to the Messiah. He was the one who was sent in order to turn the nation of Israel back toward Jesus. He was more than just a prophet. If anybody was qualified to be released, we would think it would be John, but instead, Jesus didn't respond the way that we would have hoped or thought. And it's the same for us. In different times, often it's those most painful experiences or those most painful relationships that we're waiting for God to respond. And there's a constant invitation to be committed to the person of Jesus. But it's because of the willful unbelief, not doubt, but willful unbelief of the spiritual leaders and the political leaders at this time that John remains in prison. And it's a it's a reminder for us that as we follow Jesus, we we live in a world that's opposed to Christ, we will experience harm. We will experience Difficulty, that, that's a part of being in the world in which we live. And Jesus says this, of John the Baptist. He says, of people born, no one is greater than John. And then he says something that almost like, feels like it's, it contradicts it, but we know that Jesus doesn't contradict himself. He, so he says, no one's greater than John who's, who's been born. But then he also says this, but even the least important person in the kingdom is greater than than John. And I asked the question, how is that possible? And even yesterday, as I was working through the, the sermon, I was like, I still don't have an answer for that. I better read some more articles on that. I gotta look into this some more. And finally, I, I realized it's because John was the last Old Testament prophet. Yes, it was during Jesus' earthly ministry, but technically, Jesus had not yet died for our sins and been raised again. So he was the last Old Testament prophet. So John did not yet experience what we get to experience the moment that we trust Jesus and the Holy Spirit comes into us and seals us for salvation. Not only do we experience the sealing of the Holy Spirit, but we become heirs of the inheritance. We become heirs of the kingdom of God. John had not yet experienced that because Christ's earthly ministry had not yet been fulfilled. And so who agrees? The tax collectors. The tax collectors are like, yep, I like that. Those who, who had been discarded by the religious elite, they're like, I like what you say. I like what God teaches. But what we see is a difference in the group. There's a difference of commitment between the tax collectors and the religious leaders of Jesus' day. You see, the tax collectors and those who were sinners, they're like, we, we see that we have a need for a Savior. We see that. But those who were self-righteous, they didn't see their need. And so they weren't following John. They didn't listen to his teaching. They weren't baptized because they weren't going to experience a repentance. They didn't know what they needed to repent from. But the tax collectors and the sinners, they did. So John's earthly ministry was baptizing for repentance. There was a purpose. It's not the same as what we do today with believer's baptism, and I'll explain that in a second. But John was saying, if you want to turn from your ways and get your hearts right with God, then be baptized. And who came? It was the people who saw that they had a need. But the religious leaders in Jesus' day, by and large, with the exception of a few, they didn't turn. They didn't see their need. And I think of how... It's important that when we're committed to Jesus, we're committed to Him. Not to our way, not to our truth, but to His truth. You see, in the process, the spiritual leaders were not going to come under the authority of Scripture. But today we celebrate what's known as believer's baptism. In fact, at the end of the service, we're, we're going to have an opportunity for people to, to see the baptism from this first, the first service this morning. But what we believe is that when a person has trusted Jesus and they've received the Holy Spirit, they've been born again, we celebrate believer's baptism. It's our opportunity to say, I've decided to follow Jesus. So what's internally occurred is a relationship with God through Christ. And then we get to publicly share that with our demonstration of faith in Jesus, by being baptized. That's why we say we're buried with Christ by baptism into death, and we're raised to walk in a new way of life. That's believer's baptism. That's what we get to celebrate today. But we commit to the person of Jesus, even when we have questions. So when we have questions of our faith, we're waiting.